Ruth chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. I'll start reading at verse 2. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So the servant, who was in charge of the reapers, answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, for, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord. For you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your word, for the power of your spirit to uh, awaken us to how we are to obey you and grant us the strength to continue to do so diligently. We ask you now, Lord, send your Holy Spirit, awaken us, uh, cause us to come into a much deeper understanding of what you'd have us to be and to do in your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It's been a month, and so let me uh, recap, and that's partly why I wanted to also read a few verses from what we covered last time. Uh, as I mentioned last time, Ruth kind of has returned to the land of the living, uh, living, working, uh, planning for the future, uh, being industrious, and she was respectful in her going out to glean as she was. She was industrious. And Boaz took notice of this. He's a relative of Naomi's. He's wealthy. He himself is also industrious. And he's attentive to his fields. And he recognizes the situation that Ruth and Naomi are in. He drew attention to that. And this was the text from last time. So now... Here, starting at verse 8, we have Boaz saying to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? And then he starts giving her commands, essentially. He says, uh, Don't go glean in another field, nor go from here. Stay close to my young women. Let your eyes be on this field where they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? 
So Boaz is a man that is used to taking charge, I think. It's partly why he asked whose young woman is this, because he knows that everybody essentially reports to somebody, and he is aware of their situation, and he wants to help them. And yet, he's communicating very clearly to Ruth that he wants to help her, and he's communicating his intentions to her very clearly. Now, she doesn't belong to him, but he is extending his umbrella, so to speak, to include her, to cover her, to help protect her, to bring blessing into her life. Now, to me, I don't know whether to you, but to me when I read this, he seems a little bit bossy. I just wouldn't feel comfortable being this bossy with people that I barely know, that I've just met. And uh, yet he is a bossy man, I think. That's just his nature. It's who he is. It's how he became wealthy. It's why he's attentive to his fields. He's a man of action. And so this is consistent with his character. And I've come to understand that because other people aren't like me doesn't make it wrong. It doesn't make my character wrong. It doesn't make their character wrong. It just makes us very different. And so I can't expect other people to be like me, and I don't really think the world would be a better place if lots more people were like me. That's one of the things I've been coming to learn with all of our many elders meetings. I so appreciate the counsel as all these men are voicing thoughts, and my mind is often altered by what other men share. So humility is a great thing going into these meetings. You have to be willing to bend and learn. And yet resolve also at times is a good thing because you can't be dissuaded and you have to also speak your mind. You owe it to them to share your thoughts with them. So Boaz is a man who's used to taking charge and he takes charge here. He goes on in verse 9, Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? So there is a concern here of safety, her virtue, her physical safety, and he's wanting to assure her that she's safe in, this, in the midst of these men. And I don't know that all women would be safe in the midst, even here in Israel, in the midst of these men. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And then he also instructs her to go ahead and feel comfortable when you're thirsty, go to the vessels, drink from what the young men have drawn, He's welcoming her. You are welcome here. Don't feel like an intruder. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? I think this is sincere. She's like, Who am I that you notice me like this? And so Boaz explains himself in verse 11. And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. So he wants her, again, to understand that he understands the story, the backstory of her life, her and Naomi's life. And he is aware of that and wants to commend her for what she's in process of doing. And he's saying, I'm here to support you in that. The Lord repay your work 
and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. So see, Boaz is acknowledging that she has come to seek refuge in the Lord, not in him. And yet, he then is blessing her and taking her under his wing, but yet acknowledging that it's consistent with what God would have him to do. So he is a vessel used by God to do this good in Ruth and Naomi's life. And so it's interesting how Boaz phrases it here, though. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you've come for refuge. So in other words, yes, I'm blessing you, but he's praying even more blessing upon her than he himself is already providing. He's a very nice man, and he clearly sees himself as God's instrument in her life, and he prays to God to bless Ruth. This is the very thing that Jesus later, much later, admonishes people to do. Because he's rebuking the religious leaders, saying, people come to you for help, and all you do is pray for them. You don't really physically meet their needs. That's not help. What Boaz is doing is praying for her, asking God's blessing upon her, and physically meeting her needs and helping. So he's, yes, a vessel of God's blessing, but he's not just casting that off for others to do. In other words, if we truly want people's good, we ought to also help them, not just pray for them. It's natural for us to want to just pray. Why? Because we're stingy. We don't want to give of our own time and wealth to help other people. So we might see a need and want that need met, but someone else will do it. It's really not my problem. That is so ungodly. And it's what Christ was rebuking, and it's what Boaz is representing here so well the opposite of. This is how you're supposed to live as a Christian. So now, good character, however, doesn't always beget such a wonderful response so quickly in life. I mean, she is blessed to have been recognized so quickly for this good work that she's doing in Naomi's life. It's for her own good, too. But yet, she's being recognized for what she's doing for Naomi. God guarantees that your good works will not go unrequited. But this is extraordinary, to have it be met with such obvious acceptance and recognition. So don't do your good works thinking this would happen. This, I think, is somewhat non-normative. You must do your good works and not expect this type of thing. You must do your good works and really even downplay them such that you are seeking the reward that will come in heaven. You don't want the earthly recognition, the earthly reward. You want to try to escape recognition of that such that your reward in heaven is greater. I have a question, and I want you to be honest. Are you a person of good character? We all answer that against ourselves, I think, without thinking. Sure I am. But yet, God will assess you on that, the answer to that question, not in how you treat us, not in how you treat your friends, your family, your loved ones, those you like. He'll assess you in that as to how you treat others, the ones that rub you the wrong way, the ones that are very annoying, 
the ones that don't treat you with respect, that don't treat you with kindness. That is how God will assess your true character because that's who he is. That's who he calls us to be. So when we come to the table, let's not grade ourselves on a scale. Let's look at ourselves, ask ourselves hard questions. Am I my father's true son or daughter? Is my behavior consistent with what God would have me to be? Do I extend the generosity of spirit to all that I come into contact with? Or can I be fairly quick to judge, fairly harsh in my judgment, and very short with people that I don't respect, that I don't like, that I don't value? That is what you need to think about. That's how you need to assess yourself. So as we come to the table, we thank God that he sent Jesus Christ to model that for us, to accept us when he ought not have. We aren't worthy of acceptance, and yet Christ accepted us. He paid the price. He redeemed us, called us his own, made us his own. Father, we thank you for your kindness. You have uh, modeled all these things for us that you expect us to do. And so we thank you, Father. You are so kind. You are so compassionate. You are so forgiving. You are so open to those that abuse you. Uh, very, very slow uh, to rebuke those that offend you. And so we thank you for who you are, for what you've done. And we pray that we would be like Boaz, seeking opportunity to find these jewels and commend them to you, to bless them to the degree that we can, and seek others to bless them as well. We give you thanks, Father, for what you have made us to be, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to uh, progress that work in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.